0: Well, if you are new this morning, um, we are in the middle of a series called In His Presence. And uh, Doug Cecil launched it uh, two weeks ago, I guess three weeks ago now. Um, And that was the week that I was in Ethiopia. And uh, the plan was to come alongside the pulpit ministry here at Christ Chapel. We are in the middle of a series called iChat, which is on uh, prayer and Ted is, is preaching through the prayers of Jesus, the high priestly prayer, the Gethsemane prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer. So we thought we would come alongside in men's ministry and we would talk about the same thing. We would talk about prayer. But more than just talk about prayer, we thought we would pray. Now, I have gotten um, feedback. And it's really interesting. Um, last week, I uh, didn't speak, so... I stood outside, and it was interesting, uh, uh, A interesting dynamic took place. Uh, once the prayer time started, um, got some guys left. Uh, now, this is not, I'm not slamming anybody, but, you know, prayer is an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, it's, it's hard. And I've gotten some feedback that guys are like, we're just going to pray? We're just going to literally just pray for an hour? And... uh and so some guys have, have not been coming because we're going to pray for an hour, and other guys have decided to leave at the beginning of the prayer time so they wouldn't have to pray for an hour. And that's uh, and, and okay. I, I understand that. It's, it's pretty intimidating to pray for an hour. So this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. And uh, we're going to still pray, but we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. And it's, I'm going to share with you something that uh, I actually shared with the pastors in Ethiopia, and it's uh, going to be from John chapter 15. And uh, some of the guys in the room who were at the, uh, the Axis retreat have heard a little bit of this, but it'll it'll be a little expanded version. But before we get into John chapter 15, I, I want you to do something. I want you to take, there should be some uh, sheets of paper, hopefully some blank sheets of paper. If Yeah i think they're blue cards blue pieces of paper i want every guy to take one and here's what i want you to do i want you to write down on that piece of paper your greatest wish now nobody's gonna see this you're not gonna hand it to the guy next to you so if if you wish you had hair put it down um... um, if you wish you weren't so so handsome put that down But whatever your greatest wish is, and I really want you to be serious about this. What is your greatest wish? What's the one thing you really wish God would do in your life? Okay? Um, It could be something you want to see him do in your life. It could be something you want to see him take out of your life. Maybe it's an addiction or a habit or something that you struggle with. What's the one thing you really want to see him do? Um, Some prayer that you really want to see answered? I I want you to put that down and then just put it away. Put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket. Uh, Nobody's going to see it but you. But what's your greatest wish? So take just a, a few seconds to think about that. As we're going through this, if something else comes in, into your mind, just write that down. And, but your greatest wish. You know, I had an interesting conversation the other night with my, uh, one of my daughters. And uh, we, we started talking about prayer. And uh, it was over an issue that she was praying about. And she uh, basically her question was, how do you know how to pray and what to pray for? And how do you know you're praying in God's will or out of God's will? And and she had uh, been praying for something, and she, um, for lack of a better t- term, she, she kind of put a fleece out there. And it was her way of, okay, God, I'll know this is your answer if this happens. And for her it was, uh, she happens to work at a, a retail establishment, and she usually has to close it up at night, and if... Uh, She she basically said, if if nobody comes in after 7, that'll be the sign. And it's that this is what you want me to do. And she already had decided what she kind of wanted to do. So she put that out there. And, and, uh, well, nobody came in after 7, so that was the answer. That was the confirmation to what she wanted. And she goes, what do you think about that? And I said, well... I, that's an interesting way to pray. I said, what if what if I, uh, and we were sitting in a Starbucks, and I said, what if I were trying to pray about whether I should go to the mission field? And uh, and I've already determined I don't want to go to the mission field. You know, I told you my experience in Ethiopia. I, I don't feel called the mission field. So what if I'm sitting there praying about the mission field, and, and I say, okay, God, uh, I really feel like you don't want me to go. But to confirm it, let the third car that stops at that traffic light be a red Toyota. And she kind of looked at me and she goes, Well, that's different. I said, No, it's really not. I said, because if the third car is not a red Toyota, I could just say, Well, see, God doesn't want me to go. And we had a great conversation about the issue of prayer and how do you pray and how do you pray in God's will? And how do we know what to pray for? And see, if if, if you're anything like me, and you probably are more than you would like to admit. Um, you struggle with prayer. You struggle with what to pray for, how to pray. Uh, should I pray for this? How do I know this is what God wants? Should I just tack on at the end of every one of my prayers? Well, if it's your will, and that's kind of your scapegoat. Should I, if I don't get it, uh, do I n- not have enough faith? Wh- what are we supposed to pray for? Well, this morning what I want to do is take a look at John chapter 15. And I, I just want to unpack it a little bit for you. And it's going to kind of direct our prayer time. John chapter 15 is is a, a fascinating passage. It's one I've read a thousand times and never, but never really spent a whole lot of time with. And so this morning we're going to take a look at it, try to pull out of it some uh, some lessons for us. And it has in it. Um, one of Jesus' I am statements, and there's, there's a number of them in the Scriptures, and I just want to look at them real briefly. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Okay? These are statements he had about himself. I am the light. He said, I am the door. He also claimed that I am the good shepherd. Then he went on and said, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the way. And then, I am the true vine. That's the, the statement we're going to find here in this passage In John chapter 15. So if you have that, let's look at it real real quickly. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. You're really familiar with this passage, I'm sure. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Then he goes on and says, you are already clean or pure because of the word which I have spoken to you. And then here comes those familiar phrases, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Key on that verse. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Remember what you wrote down in your cards. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And then he goes on and he talks about that great commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So what's the background here? What's going on in this passage? Well, first of all, there's a theme going on, and it's the theme of fruit-bearing. It's fruit-bearing. If you, if you read this passage and you spend a little bit of time with it, you're going to see that the overarching theme that keeps coming up over and over again is that of fruit-bearing. It's mentioned eight times at least, depending on your translation. Uh, fruit-bearing. So it's pretty important. It's about fruitfulness. And fruitfulness, we learn from this passage, is about abiding. He uses that term abiding a lot, and we're going to try to figure out what that means it's also the product of pruning. Now, that's a part I don't like. I want to be fruitful. I just don't want to be pruned to get there. I just want to be fruitful. But this passage tells me that pruning is a big part of being fruitful. You want to be more fruitful, you will, be pr- you will need to be pruned. Fruitfulness involves dependence. Okay, these are just little things gleaned from this passage. If you want to be fruitful, you will have to depend on what? The vine. Okay? Okay? fruitfulness is directly tied to growing if you're not growing you will not be fruitful you can't have a one-inch branch be fruitful it's got to grow it's got to prosper in order to be fruitful fruitfulness involves faith it involves trust and it involves obedience so all throughout these verses we see this issue of fruitfulness fruitfulness now who who are the characters in this story Uh, it's pretty obvious and i think we know who most of them are well, first of all, you've got the vine dresser, and for a better term, I just use gardener. He's the, he's the gardener of this vineyard, and it's God. So the vine dresser, the gardener, is God. And what is His greatest desire? Fruit. If if I plant a garden in my backyard, which we haven't done in years, but we used to always have a garden. If I plant a garden, what is the reason I plant a garden? What is the hope or the wish or the outcome of that garden? Vegetables, fruit, something to grow that I can eat. It is not so I can go work it. It's not so I can go weed it. It's not so I can feed the rabbits in my neighborhood. It's so I can get fruit from it. So my desire, my wish is fruit. God's desire as the gardener is fruit. Okay? Pretty basic stuff. The vine is Jesus. Okay? Jesus is the vine. He is the means through which fruit gets produced. You have no vine, there are no branches. And therefore, there is no fruit. So he's the means by which fruit gets produced. The vine, it plays a huge role. It makes fruit possible. If you don't have a vine, you have no fruit. So Jesus is significant in this story. And he's significant when it comes to fruitfulness. The vine produces everything and provides everything that the branch needs to produce fruit. Okay? You don't see branches bearing fruit apart from the vine. It just doesn't happen. So Jesus' role is pretty significant. Then that brings us to what? The branches. The branches are us, mankind, human beings, you and me. We are the means by which the fruit is made visible. Okay? We just make the fruit visible. And this is real important because I think sometimes we get our role confused. We think we are the fruit bearer. We are the fruit maker. We have to go out and make the fruit. We just make the fruit visible. Okay? That's, that's really our role. We provide a place for the fruit to show up. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. He, pro- he provides everything we need for fruit to produce. He's just looking for branches to produce it through. And our life is here to reveal the fruit, to reveal the fruit. We allow the fruit to ripen and uh, grow mature. That's what we're here for. Okay, and this will come back to prayer in just a second. Remember that key verse we looked at. The branches make the fruit accessible or reachable by others. And this is really critical to me. See, when I think of fruitfulness, I, I'm real selfish. Um, Lord, make me fruitful for me. I want to be fruitful. I want to have a fruitful life. I want to have a fruitful ministry. I want to have, you know, I want to be fruitful. But if you think about this, a branch does not bear fruit for itself. You know, you never see an apple appear in a branch, and then a few seconds later it gets sucked back in and consumed by the branch. What's it there for? It's for somebody else to consume. It's for somebody else to enjoy. It's for somebody else to be nourished by. It's for somebody else's benefit. But see, we turn the fruitfulness in on ourselves. What's in it for me? I want the fruit. It'd be like a tree that doesn't want to give up its fruit. And you try to pull the apple off and it just it's like stuck on there. And it starts pulling back on you. That's what we do sometimes with our fruit is that we don't want to share it with anyone else. But the branch makes fruit accessible to others for the benefit of others. So what's the meaning? Well, first of all, look at verse 2. We can't get past this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Wow. Um, it's kind of scary passage. What in the world does that mean? Then he says every branch that bears fruit, what does he do with it? He prunes it. Either way, it doesn't sound real good, does it? I mean, he either takes you away or he prunes you. Something's getting lopped off, either the entire branch or part of the branch. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about two different types of branches. He's talking about fruitful branches, full of fruit, producing fruit, doing what they're supposed to do, and fruitless branches. A fruitless branch is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, is it? If you walk up to a tree, and it's got multiple branches, and all of them except one have fruit, what's a good gardener do? Lop off the one that's not producing. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. See, a branch that bears no fruit is dead, and so it gets cut off. Now, guys, this has nothing to do with losing your salvation. This is not a case of, man, if I'm not producing fruit, God's going to chop me off. He's going to throw me in the fire. I'm going to spend eternity in hell. That is not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about two different types of mankind. Two different types of individuals living out in the world today. A fruitless branch looks promising, but something is missing. If you have anything to fear, it would be that you are living a pseudo-Christianity. You're living... As if you have a relationship with Christ, but you really don't have one. You really have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You really have never accepted him as your personal Savior, but you have all the trappings of Christianity. You go to church, you have a Bible, you may not read it, but it sits in your bedstand, and you usually can find it on Sunday morning and bring it with you. You you have all the trappings of Christianity, but you don't have the relationship that is a fruitless branch it looks good it looks the part but something's missing and its fruitfulness there's no life there's no fruit and there's no results okay two different types of branches a fruitless branch has all the right appearances it has all the right ingredients but it doesn't have fruit something's missing Two different types of branches. Two different types of branches. See, I think this passage is telling you and I that every person who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, hey, I'm a branch, is not necessarily a true disciple. And they are in this church. They may be in this room. I can't judge that. You can't judge that. That's between you and the Lord. But I can tell you that if fruit is missing, there's reason to question the veracity of the branch. Is it truly a fruit-bearing branch or is it a dead branch? Every person who says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, isn't necessarily what they say they are. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 24, again, familiar passage. Jesus is speaking, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hey Lord, Lord. Hey, you know, I was there. I was in church every Sunday. Hey Lord, I was doing your will. Hey Lord, I was I was a branch. And he'll say, "No, I don't even know you." I don't even know you. Fruitfulness. What's the other kind of branch? You got the fruitless and you got the fruitful. Fruitful branches are those that abide. They abide. Um and the greatest obstacle, guys, in my life and in your life to fruitfulness is, the, is, is focusing on me. See, I've even turned abiding into a selfish act. I've turned abiding into work. And I've got to abide in Christ. I'm going to get up today and abide in Christ. And I wear myself trying to abide in Christ. You ever seen a tired branch? You ever seen a, a branch that's just totally worn out and just, you know, gosh, I'm so tired of abiding? I just can't abide anymore. I, I just I just can't do this anymore. We've turned abiding into work and, and self-effort, and that's not what this is about. And when we focus on ourselves, we, we place an obstacle in the path of abiding. So for instance, I've got to put Christ first in all things, not me. It's not about me. It's not about you. I can't put my wife first. Uh, I can't put her needs above those of the, of the master and above fruitfulness. I can't put my kids first. Now, does this, this mean I ignore both of them? Well, honey, you know, God's first, I'm second, you're last. Is that, is that what this is saying? No. But I can't place anything or anyone above my relationship with Jesus Christ. I can't put my education, either academically or spiritually, above Jesus Christ. I can't put anything above him. Because that's what abiding is all about. I can't put church first, and many of us do that. We, um, And that's a real risk for anybody in professional ministry is just to put church first. And just, you know, serve the church, serve the church. And you're really not serving Christ. So what is abiding? Two ideas are linked to this This aspect of abiding. And number one is belief and faith in Christ. You cannot abide if you do not have faith and belief in Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with him. It's salvation. Salvation through Christ alone. So it starts there, but then it moves into obedience. If you're going to have faith in Jesus Christ, you've also got to obey. You will want to obey. Just as Jesus Christ obeyed his father, you will want to obey your father. So it's belief and faith, and it's also obedience. That's what it means to abide. If I'm going to abide in the vine, that means I'm going to obey. Think about a branch. Keep the analogy. A branch remains in, believes in, has faith in, as much as a branch can have, the vine. And then it allows, it obeys and allows whatever is in the vine to flow through it and produce whatever the vine wants to produce through it. A branch does not get to, to dis- determine or decide what kind of fruit it wants to produce. That's up to the vine. And initially it's up to the gardener who planted the vine to begin with. See, I want to I choose the fruit. I, I want to choose what kind of branch I'm going to be. I don't get that choice. It's obedience. It's just belief and faith in Christ that he will do and he will produce what needs to be produced for the benefit of others, not me. Okay. Abiding has in it the idea of remaining, just staying attached and allowing nature to take its course. A branch remains on the vine, it doesn't work to remain, it doesn't have to put any effort into it, it doesn't work to produce fruit. You know, it's like when you get up in the morning and you say, today I'm going to be more patient, what will happen? You will be probably the most impatient man you've ever been. You know, if you try to determine that you're going to produce any kind of fruit, you will probably not produce that fruit at all. You will produce some other kind of fruit. So it's just allowing God to produce through Jesus, through you, the fruit that he wants to produce. A branch allows itself to be used by the vine. See, that's all abiding is, is just saying, okay, Lord, I don't know what you want to do in my life today. I do know this. You want me to be fruitful I don't know what that fruit's gonna look like, and I don't know who it's gonna benefit, but I wanna be used by you. So I'm gonna rest and abide in you and remain in you and let you do what you do best. Okay, that's that's really the picture here. But what kind of fruitfulness are we talking about, guys? What kind of fruitfulness are we talking about? Fruitful people are Christ-like people. That's it's so simple, but we make it so complex. It's just you wanna be fruitful? God wants you to be fruitful. Jesus wants to make you fruitful. And he just wants you to be like him. He wants you to be Christ-like. Christ-like in your attitudes, your actions, your thoughts. They're also useful people. What's a branch do? A branch produces fruit for the benefit of others. It's useful. It has a benefit. It has a purpose in its life to be useful. Useful to the gardener. Useful to the end user. We're to be useful people, and we're to be a growing people. You know, every year my wife uh, goes out into our yard, and we have some crepe myrtles, and um, my wife is like the queen of pruning, uh, and she will hack these bushes to death. And I remember the first year we got married, and they were really taken off and growing. Crepe myrtles grow pretty fast, and, and, I mean, they were beautiful. All throughout the summer, and then at the end of the summer, I drive home from work one day, and they look like you know somebody with a buzz saw got after them. And they're just gone. They're down to stubs. And I walk in the house. I said, what, what, what are you doing? She goes, well, this is what you do. And I said, no, this is not what you do. And she goes, I'm just pruning. And I said, that's not pruning. That's like butchery. They're just stumps. And she said, well, I, I, read, I read in Neil Sperry. that." I said, I don't care about Neil Sperry. These are my crepe myrtles. I planted them, and you just hacked them to death well, what happened the next spring? They were bigger and more beautiful than they were the year before. Neil was right. And much to my chagrin, so was my wife. Um, And every year she, and it bugs me, every year she does it. She goes out there and she hacks these bushes to death, and every year they get bigger and better, more flowers, more blossoms, and they grow. Fruitful people are, are growing people. We're constantly growing. And part of the process is we're getting pruned. We're getting pruned. Well, I want to close this up before we pray with with four blessings that I find in this passage. And the first one is the one I want to concentrate on, and we're going to come back to it, is answered prayer. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Has anybody ever had that prayer or that, uh, that promise made true in their life? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Think about what you wrote on your cards. Many of you have prayed that wish to the Father and maybe it's never been answered. Ask whatever you wish. See, we take this verse and we lift it out of context and we turn it into some grand promise from God that I can have whatever I want and God becomes this cosmic genie, a slot machine that I put in the coin and I get whatever I want and I win every time. That is not what this passage is teaching us. What is it teaching me? Again, think of the context. What does the branch wish for? What does the branch want more than anything else in the world? What does it want? Fruitfulness. See, if I'm a branch, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I want to be the deck on a yacht. I, I want to be the paneling in a really expensive home that everybody comes in and looks at and goes, wow, check out the paneling. That's impressive. I want to be something other than what I'm made to be. I want to be fruitful and useful in my own way on my own terms. But what, according to this passage and according to the analogy, what would a, a branch wish more, more than anything else? Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. It's, it's, it's basic stuff. And it wants fruitfulness so bad that if a branch could think, it would beg to be pruned. Why? So it could produce more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. I think what this passage is is teaching me and teaching you is that God changes my desires to match his. He's saying, guys, you know, whatever you wrote in that card, there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing saying that God will not answer it or provide it. But what he wants more than anything else is at the end of the day, you would write down in that card, make me fruitful. My greatest wish, God, is that I would be fruitful. On your terms and in your way, for the benefit of others, not me. And if he chooses to do it by providing that wish that you wrote down, whatever it is, so be it. If not, so be it. If he wants to use whatever you want taken away to prune you and make you more like him and more like his son, I'm fine with that because, you know what, all I really want to be is fruitful. What is the gardener's greatest wish? Fruitfulness. Why does he plant the vine to begin with? Fruit. What's the vine's greatest wish? Fruitfulness. What's the branch's greatest wish? Fruitfulness. So there's a promise here to you and I that when we pray and and make our greatest wish to be fruitful, that prayer will always be answered. It will always be answered. There's a second one, the ability to glorify God. We see that in verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. My Father is glorified. Do you want to glorify God with your life? You know, I, I, I've spent far too many years of my life trying to glorify me, but I'm here to glorify him. A branch does not get any glory. Nobody walks up and goes, oh, check out that branch. Check out the branch. Man, that's that's a fruit-bearing branch right there. Now, they'll, they'll either glory in the fruit or they'll glory in the gardener who planted the vine and the branches to begin with. The fruit or the maker of the, f- the fruit I don't get the glory our fruitfulness guys is God produced and that's why God gets the glory when people see Christ's likeness in us they don't go hey hey Ken man you're you're one fruitful guy I guarantee they don't say that they go where in the world did that come from because I know you that has to be of God because you can't produce that kind of fruit the only fruit you can produce is selfish self-centered and hurts people So that has to be from God. God gets the glory. It's God produced and it gives him the glory, not us. You want to give God glory? Pray for fruitfulness. Pray that God would make you fruitful. Third, abiding love, verses 9 through 10. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the third promise, guys, that we can have the love of God. But keep he, he, again, keep the context. What's going on here? Did the Father love Jesus only because He obeyed Him? No. See, I have this perverse idea that if I just obey God really well and, and do it, you know, 80%, He'll love me more. And if I do 60%, He'll love me less. And somehow I got to earn His love, and I got to obey Him. And if I don't obey Him, I, I fall out of love. And that's not. What he's saying here, God loved Jesus long before he obeyed. Jesus obeyed because the Father loved him. See, we get it backwards. I should obey because I am so greatly loved. Because so much has been done for me. So much has been given to me. I get the joy and the benefit of being a fruitful branch on the vine. I didn't choose it. I don't deserve it. And I should love him because of that. And abide in the love that I get in return. Because if you think about it, guys, it's His, the Father's abiding love that produces the fruit in my life. If Jesus and God the Father did not love me, I would have no fruit to show. But the fact that He wants to use me, can use me, does use me, proves to me that He loves me. And I should want to love Him in return. Anything fruitful, anything Christ-like that gets produced in my life is a, an and Exhibition and a reminder of the love of God, the, the matchless love of God because it reminds me that he did send his son. His son did die for me. I do have salvation and I am loved. I can't keep his commandments without his love. I can't do anything without his love. God's love makes the fruitful life possible. I can't do any of this without it. So I get to abide in his love 1 John 2, 3 through 5. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. See, see the, the order, guys? Whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Why? Because we have the capacity and the ability to love. I can't even love without him. I can't do anything without him. So I get to abide in his love. It's a love of God that produces true life transformation, not human effort. And without his love, I remain unchanged and unable to obey. A fruitless branch, guess what, has no love of God in it, and so no fruitfulness comes out of it. And it is cut off, and it's thrown away. It's thrown away. We are unfruitful branches without the love of God flowing through us if we do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, finally, overflowing joy. Man, I want joy in my life. I want joy. And boy, do we need joy right now. There's a lot of people hurting right now. There are men in this room who've lost their jobs. There are men who are not making as much money as they once did. There are marriages that are struggling. There are all kinds of hurts going on. And this is a promise for overflowing joy in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. It's similar to the prayer in John chapter 17, that high priestly prayer of Jesus. I, have come, I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. See, Jesus wants his joy to flow through you and I. The joy of fruitfulness, the joy of being used by him, the joy of impacting the lives of others around us. That is what it's all about, the joy. But it begins with his joy, not my joy. So what is the joy that he wants to give us in full? What would make Jesus Christ happier and more joyful than anything else? Seeing my life transformed by his. Seeing my life be made fruitful. Seeing me live a fruitful Christ-like life would bring Jesus Christ more joy than anything else. His joy made full in my life. See, I even turn that into a selfish thing. Give me joy. I want more joy. Make me happy all the time. No, it's the joy of Christ that I am pleasing him and he is made joyful by the fruit. It's like when I see my kids do the right thing, I get joy from that. I get, I just swell up with pride that, man, they did the right thing. They made the right choice. They stood up in the right way. They did the Christ-like thing. And I get joy from that. So does God the Father. So does Jesus Christ. Joy. Well, here's how I want to end, guys. And we got 20 minutes to do it. In your prayer time right now, and you can do this together. You can do it silently. But here's what I want you to do. What's your greatest wish? What did you write down? Go back and think about that. Does it match up with God's greatest wish? Did you write down that you would be more fruitful, that you would be more Christ-like? Is your wish the same as that of Jesus Christ, the vine, that he wants to produce his fruit through you? What I want you to do, I want you to pray for one another. And again, if you want to do it silently, have at it. But I, I would prefer that you pray out loud. And each, each one maybe pray for the guy on his left. So that each guy gets prayed for. But pray for one another that your greatest wish would be for fruitfulness. That God would change your wish into his wish for fruitfulness. Because guys, if we can get fruitful, if we can make our greatest wish to be fruitful, God tells us he will answer that prayer every single time and he will make you fruitful. And when we are fruitful, things will change. We will change, but it will change those around us. Because that fruit will be for the benefit of those around us. So that's how I want you to spend your time. And then also on your table, there's some uh, little thin sheets that have some prayer requests that I want each one of you to take with you. We asked our staff this week to write down prayer requests for themselves. And we want you to take those and we want you to take them home. And sometime today, sometime throughout this week, I want you to lift these prayer requests up. We've promised our staff that we would be praying for them. We're not going to do it this morning. You're going to do that on your own. But right now, I want you to take the rest of the time we have together and I want you to pray for one another that you would be fruitful. And then I'm going to close it up at the end of our time. So pray together. I'm just going to close this in prayer, and if you want to continue on your tables, we have a few more minutes. But, Father, we come to you this morning, and we admit that uh, we have a hard time abiding. Um, We're better at being busy. We're better at effort uh, than we are at just remaining in you. And Father, I pray that in my life and in the life of every man in this room, we would learn what it really means to abide in you. To allow your life, the life of Jesus Christ, to flow through us. The power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. That our lives would be fruitful. Father, I pray that we would desire fruitfulness more than anything else. More than success. More than recognition more than money, more than comfort, more than pleasure, more than anything else that we would wish for and desire fruitfulness, to see our lives used by you to impact the lives around us. Father, you've got so much you want to do through our lives. We are your garden. We are your branches And you want to feed a hungry world, a spiritually hungry world through us. But many of them are starving because we're not fruitful. We're producing fruit, but we're producing the wrong kind of fruit. So, Father, I I just ask that you would continue to keep this passage in our hearts and our minds over the days and weeks ahead. Keep this prayer in our hearts and minds. Make us fruitful. And Father, if you have to bring pruning into my life and into the lives of these men, and you probably already have, help us to embrace it, accept it, because we know that pruning makes us more fruitful. You're cutting away the very things that keep us from being fruitful. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we don't want to let go of it. But if our greatest wish is fruitfulness, then we won't care. Make us fruitful, Father. Make us a people. Make us men who are changing the world because we are being changed. And we have something to share. And it's the fruit of Jesus Christ in our lives. Thank you for these guys. Bless their day. Bless their week. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Let them be fruitful today. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you didn't finish your prayer time, go ahead and do that and then leave as you need to.